92 years. That's a long time. It's the age difference between Queen Elizabeth and her great-grandson, Prince Louis. The two were seen talking and pointing during a parade, a heartwarming scene in the middle of the Jubilee spectacle. Like many boys, Prince Louis was interested in fighter jets. He could be seen talking with Her Majesty during the Royal Air Force flyover. The royal family can be messy at times, but in moments like this, we can see the joy she has in spending time with this young lad. It's difficult to know how many family gatherings she has left. Prince Andrew, her second oldest son, tested positive for COVID. He'll miss the rest of the festivities. And the Queen herself will not be attending Friday's Thanksgiving service at St. Paul's Cathedral. Age comes for us all. But Christians know that even as we age, we're being remade more and more into the image of Christ. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, and we're continuing in a series this week called God Save the Queen. All over Great Britain and the Commonwealth, including Canada, They're celebrating Queen Elizabeth's 96th birthday and her 70th year as queen. Vera Lynn singing The White Cliffs of Dover. One of Queen Elizabeth's top ten songs, as revealed by the BBC. The Queen is fairly reserved, so when a list of her favorite songs was published, it was quite insightful. The BBC said she loves the theme song from the musical Oklahoma, as well as Anything You Can Do by Dolores Gray and Bill Johnson. But also on the list were two hymns, The Lord is My Shepherd and Praise My Soul, The King of Heaven. This is very typical of this queen. She's someone who is in this world and not of this world. She enjoys music from an era when she was younger, as well as hymns that lead her in worship. She's made her life all about serving her people, even while she serves her king, King Jesus. And that's exactly what author and journalist Catherine Butcher discovered as she researched the life of Queen Elizabeth. I came across this tiny little book in Lambeth Palace Library called The Little Book of Private Devotions. And it was written by the Archbishop of Canterbury, Geoffrey Fisher. That's the Archbishop when the Queen was crowned. And he had written this book so that the Queen could prepare spiritually for her coronation. And it's, it's a devotional book. It's got Bible readings, it's got prayers, and then devotional thoughts. So as a journalist, I was excited because I felt I got a bit of a scoop because people have mm-hmm. never talked about this. But also as a Christian, it's so exciting to see the preparation that the Queen made from the 1st of May right through to her coronation day, praying daily, reading the Bible, reflecting on the spiritual importance of different aspects of the coronation. So as a journalist, um, yeah, I love to write. As a magazine journalist, I love to choose pictures. So this new book, Our Faithful Queen, combines my love of pictures, my love of the Queen's faith, and and most of all, the, the reflection of who Jesus is in what she says. That's Catherine Butcher 
author of Our Faithful Queen, 70 Years of Faith and Service. She'll be back with us to share how Billy Graham was used by the Lord to encourage her faith in Christ. After we meet up with her, we're going to examine how Scripture often compares leaders to shepherds. And there's no better example of a shepherd king than our Savior, Jesus Christ. After this program, I want to send you a copy of Our Faithful Queen for your gift to the ministry. And as you just heard the author of the book just share, this new book is a great read with colorful pictures, inspiring quotes, and remarkable stories about the Queen's faith in Christ. I'm convinced your faith will be inspired as you see the Queen's faith play out over the last 70 years. And remember, this book can't be obtained on Amazon or at a local bookstore in North America. We have these books shipped directly to us from the United Kingdom. So after the program, just call 865-HAVEN, 865-HAVEN, or go online at haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. And while you're there, check out the extended interview we have with the author of Our Faithful Queen, Catherine Butcher, on our Great Stories podcast. And you can check out the blog that we've called 10 Surprising Things the Queen Says About Jesus. You'll be encouraged by both. Now, let's open this program with one of the Queen's favorite hymns.
The London Philharmonic, Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven, a great English church hymn and a favorite of the Queen's here in a haven today called God Save the Queen. Earlier, we heard from Catherine Butcher, who's written this new book just released for the Platinum Jubilee called Our Faithful Queen. I asked Catherine to share the special story about the unique relationship Billy Graham had with Queen Elizabeth. Here's what she told me. Billy Graham, as you know, came to the UK to do crusades and was making the news. And people who've watched the, the series, the, the fictional series, The Crown, will have seen Billy Graham as part of that. Uh, and the Queen invited Billy Graham to preach at uh, one of her chapel services. And he said in his autobiography that she was obviously very interested in the Bible because it's a tradition when someone preaches in one of the royal chapels on an occasion when the Queen is present, then they're invited back for lunch. And the conversation is about the sermon. And the Queen has shown herself to be someone who's very knowledgeable about the Bible. But it's not just a head knowledge. This is someone, and the Queen is someone who as a child, spent the first half an hour of every school week reading scripture. That was her first lesson of the week with her governess. Mm. And then her own mother was a subscriber to daily Bible reading notes, and she read Bible stories to her children and taught them to pray. And the Queen Mother's own parents were people who read the Bible for an hour a day to their children. So the Bible has been very much part of the Queen's life. And then when it came to the coronation, the first thing she was presented with was a Bible. The Church of Scotland it plays a part in the coronation ceremony. Mm -hmm. and, and she was presented with this Bible. And the words that were used was, this is the most valuable thing that the world affords. Which is ironic, really, because she's about to be presented with one of the largest diamonds in the world. But it's the Bible that is the most valuable thing this world affords. So... It's, it's very exciting to explore how her personal faith comes out uh, in these important points in her life. That's Catherine Butcher. She wrote Our Faithful Queen. And this is Haven Today, and I'm Charles Morris on a program called God Save the Queen. And here on this Haven Today, I just want to share that the leaders of God's people, even the Lord himself, are frequently called shepherds. Before Israel had any kings, these so-called shepherds were people like Moses and Aaron and Samuel. Psalm 77, your path led through the sea, your way through the mighty waters, though your footprints were not seen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. But then Israel pledges their allegiance to their first king. Remember they did that, Saul? But he was an evil ruler. And he was a man whom the Lord regretted appointing as the king of Israel. So then David became the king. Second Samuel 5, in the past, while Saul was king over us, you were the one who led Israel on their military campaigns. And the Lord said to you, you will shepherd my people Israel and you will become their ruler. That's fitting, but somewhat ironic that David becomes the shepherd of his nation. And why do I say that? Because this was actually the very reason everyone first rejected him as their protector. Remember in 1 Samuel 17 that David's older brother ridicules his brother David, claiming he's abandoning his father's sheep just to satisfy his curiosity. 
And then David goes and explains to the very person who should have been shepherding the Lord's people by fighting off Goliath, King Saul, and explains that it's through this humble service of shepherding sheep that he has become qualified to kill that giant, Goliath. First Samuel 17, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair and struck it and killed it. It's the very weakness, the foolishness, of sending a young child with only shepherding experience to fight against a nine-foot-tall, lifelong warrior It is that foolishness that demonstrates the power of God. And it is this shepherd of sheep, a young David, who is prepared to become the shepherd of God's people as a king, but more importantly points to a future shepherd. But before leaping into the New Testament, we have to take a pause, and I want to do that in the books of Ezekiel and Jeremiah, understanding that rulers and kings of Israel were called shepherds can give us a perspective on Ezekiel 34 and Jeremiah 23. Ezekiel 34, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel, prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, Woe to you shepherds of Israel who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with the wool, and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. Notice the center of the indictment of these shepherd leaders in Israel. They've taken care of themselves. They protected number one, something that we're all so apt to do, but to those entrusted to their care, they've not even stretched out a little finger to help them. You do not take care of the flock. The sheep have produced milk, become the food, even the warm wool for the kings, but the kings have done nothing to protect their sheep. Jeremiah 23 is similar. Because the shepherds, the kings of Israel, have not protected and bestowed care on their sheep, the Lord is going to come against these leaders and scatter them like they've scattered the sheep they were supposed to be protecting and shielding. Something very surprising, something somewhat awful and terrifying, something mysterious is going to happen. The Lord himself will come as a shepherd for his sheep. If you're a shepherd, getting fat on the sheep of Israel. It should make you shake in your boots to hear the Lord himself will come to be the shepherd. In Ezekiel 34, the Lord says two things that seemed like a contradiction at the time. He says that he himself will come as a shepherd, and he also says that he will appoint David as a prince over them. There seem to be two chief shepherds coming, but now the lights focus. And the stage is set for the words of Jesus in John 10. And Jesus begins in verse 1 with a contrast. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. No mincing of words here. Jesus sees his sheep that have been oppressed and robbed and buffeted without good shepherds. But then he points to the legitimate shepherd in verse 2. He who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. 
And then another contrast in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. But what about the false shepherds? Verse 12 and verse 13, the hired hand is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. There's the contrast. The hired hand is there just to earn a living. Just like the evil shepherds of Israel in Ezekiel 34 and Jeremiah 23, they look at sheep and they see dollar signs or shekels. They look at sheep and they see a fine meal for themselves. They look at the sheep and they only think of how to selfishly satisfy their own desires. But Jesus, he is so unique. He's one of a kind. He looks at sheep with no shepherd and he cries. He looks at his sheep and he loves them. He doesn't look for a way to profit from them. Jesus sees those who desperately need someone to lead them, someone to serve them, but most importantly, someone to die for them. And now there comes the foolishness of the gospel. In the same way that David, the young shepherd boy, was the perfect candidate to defeat the powerful Goliath, Jesus comes in weakness and sacrifice to do what the sheep could never do for themselves. The weakness of men is the power of God. He comes to rescue them, and he does that by laying down his life. His life becomes their shield. In order for the thieves and the wolves to get to the sheep, they'll have to go through the good shepherd. And they did. They pierced the shepherd, but the sheep were saved by a mystery the great shepherd of the sheep who promised he himself would come, but also that David would become a shepherd of the sheep by an amazing switch of roles. The shepherd Jesus becomes a sheep and goes to sacrifice. He becomes the elder brother and like us in every way, yet without sin. And the shepherd is not above the suffering of his sheep. And he even gives his life for his sheep. What an amazing king we serve. What king do you know like Jesus?
despite being displaced and persecuted throughout his short life, Christ's unchanging message was not one of revenge or violence, but simply that we should love one another. Although it is not an easy message to follow, we shouldn't be discouraged. Rather, it inspires us to try harder, to be thankful for the people who bring love and happiness into our own lives, and to look for ways of spreading that love to others, whenever and wherever we can. That's a clip from the Queen's 2015 Christmas message. And just before that, we heard a hymn Queen Elizabeth would have enjoyed, a medley of All the Way My Savior Leads Me, Savior Like a Shepherd Leads Us, from the 50 Classic Hymns album. So many all over the world tune in to hear her speak every Christmas because she always talks about her Savior. And as you read through our faithful queen, 70 years of faith and service, you're going to find more quotes, prayers, and speeches like this excerpt that she's given over her illustrious reign. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised, like I was, at how bold this queen has been about her faith in Jesus Christ through the years. And you'll also enjoy this colorfully laid out book with pictures, prayers, and quotes. And I think your own faith will be strengthened by this insider's look at the faith of the queen. And a little note before we have to go. Our faithful queen cannot be found on Amazon or your local bookstore. We have a special order directly from the UK, so you need to call us right now for your copy. Call us at 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN. Or check out some of the sample pages from A Faithful Queen. It is a magnificently laid out book, and you can make your gift then as well at haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. When you're there, you can listen to the extended interview with the author of Our Faithful Queen on our Great Stories podcast. And also, read the blog that we've put up called 10 Surprising Things the Queen Says About Jesus. I think you'll be encouraged by both. I'm Charles Morris. Thank you so much for joining me. Won't you come back again next week when again we get to share together this great story, the story that's all about Jesus here on Haven today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. The crowd was as diverse as they come, made up of people from three different continents, but they shared a belief in the God of Israel. They had gathered in Israel to celebrate the Feast of Weeks, but then something strange happened. Eleven ordinary men started doing something extraordinary, speaking in languages they had never learned. That's because they had received the Holy Spirit. That's when one of these men stood up, a man named Peter. He told the crowd all about Jesus, how he had died and rose again for sinners, and his parting words, still important, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Get started with Anchor Devotional today. Visit getanchor.com.